Welcome to Production Value Matters, the business event podcast, brought to you by Burn Production Services. Here, we explore the different ways business events can bring value to your organization, the latest technological advances in the event space, as well as providing you with actionable strategies to make a business event a success. Let's create an exceptional event experience. Hi, and welcome to the first episode of Production Value Matters, the business events podcast. Joining us today is Christy Yarnell. Christy was the Senior Events Marketing Manager at K16 Solutions, where she managed events planning, marketing strategy, and logistics for events, conferences, and included industry trade shows, user conferences, hospitality events, and sales roadshows. Christy has over a decade's worth of experience in the event space, having also worked for HOT as a senior producer and event manager, where we got to be friends. Also, Go Running Tours, where she was the Las Vegas city manager, and Brookfield Properties, where she spent nine years as their director of corporate events. Welcome, Christy. Thank you. Good to see you again, Matthew. It's been a while, but thanks for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. I always like to have some time with some cool friends and talk events. So I'm just going to start at the beginning. What attracted you to events and how did you get into the industry? So I've always been sort of the cat wrangler of the family and friend group. Started out, my first position out of college was planning events for the state games program. And you you may not be aware of that where you're from, but it's an amateur Olympic style state games program. So I was planning from all over Oklahoma, which is where I'm from and doing events simultaneously over a few weeks out of the year. So a lot of moving parts and pieces, but that was my first real taste of the professional events management world. Great. And so where do you think in your career, did you really start to understand how to get increased value and engagement and successful outcomes from your events? Way back at the state games, I had a little bit of an non-traditional path uh, into where I am today, but I have been in the corporate events world and then also on the agency side. So I think for people to get the most out of their events, you kind of have to know why you're doing it. Why are we here? What are we trying to achieve? And there's so many different reasons that can lead you to the final event and outcomes and what you're gauging, but you have to know that first off. And a lot of people I've seen don't really know that, or they're just doing it because they've always done it. So I think that's a key point to kind of keep in mind as you start your planning. We certainly encounter that all the time where we've always done it this way or some misaligned metrics, like people are trying to get certain value out of their event and trying to achieve really clear business goals, but then really concentrate on, I think, some outdated objectives. And so let's talk about identifying that why and, and how businesses can go about identifying their needs and desired goals before they settle on the type of event that they want to produce. I'll use my corporate hat for now, but corporate meeting, we would have a couple of annual events a year and different audiences together. So different agendas, different programming in the executive sponsor, say the CEO of one and then the COO of another, I'd have to get their buy-in. And you know, what are we trying to achieve? Is it just team culture? Is it get everybody fired up for sales? What's the purpose? So once we hash that out and then we could build programming around that. And I've also been responsible for trade shows and I can do a great booth and design a booth and make sure that people come for the swag or whatever we have. But if we don't 
measure anything out of that, why are we even really here? You know, but again, you can't measure necessarily branding or brand awareness. That's a whole different objective. But if your objective is to create new fans and word of mouth, you know, or launch a product, you have to know that clear from the start so that you can build around that idea and make sure all your programming sort of dovetails into that. So go back to that idea of measuring that brand awareness and that, you know, the fan base, because that's, I think, where event professionals who get the idea of the only way we create value in this endeavor is to have some kind of metric that we can go to our executive sponsors, our exhibitors, whoever it might be, our stakeholders, and say, look, we measured this. You had 500 people walk in the door kind of thing. But I think event professionals all have difficulty quantifying is those sort of long-term metrics. And I'll give an example, as you did, about a sales meeting, right? So yes, you can rah, rah, rah everybody up about, hey, we're going to be a cool sales team and we're going to just like achieve success, as it were, throughout the year. But some of those metrics are not immediately apparent. You know, it would be really great if we went to Las Vegas and had an awesome event at Caesars and then the next quarter, our sales went up 600%. But especially in those long-term sales and marketing goals and more so into internal cultural goals to the organization, how have you seen those data measures and what strategies have you been using to be able to motivate your executive sponsors? So it's different for each event, as you said. So like a product launch, first of all, you've got to have the support of not just the sales leaders, but the sales team, the people who are actually going out in the field and selling the product. But do you have the backup? Is the product ready? Are you jumping the gun? Are you getting ahead of yourself? And then I think you have to have the buy-in of those people who are out in the field and you may be scanning badges at a trade show booth. That's great. But what do you do with it from there? That's the key. And we got a thousand scans this year. We only had 42 last year, but what's attributed to that? Is that the scanner broke? Nobody was paying attention. People didn't want their badges scanned. Or did you do a promotion to drive traffic to the booth specifically to get your badge scanned? So there's all sorts of factors that play into that. But I think really driving that message with the sales team and saying, okay, great. We got a thousand leads. Who's taking what? Are we splitting this by regions, by account? What are we doing? And making sure you're tracking that in like a Salesforce or other CRM that you can get quantifiable results and measure, you know, the pipeline. What do you convert after that show? Yeah, it sounds like you're sort of preaching on a really good point about having that plan or that event plan, I should say, integrated into a broader plan. You know, I don't know how you encountered this, but we run into this every once in a while where yeah, we have this great idea we're going to put on a trade show booth and we're going to get all these leads and it's going to be fantastic. But do they have a follow-up plan? Do they have a promotional plan going into the event? So I want to talk a little bit about data and feedback for a second. So what are some effective ways that you've found for collecting this information so that it evolves with the needs of the client, but also like changing patterns for the attendees? You had mentioned like perhaps the person didn't want to be scanned or didn't like the really weird story out of some data conference in Europe where they were using facial recognition to register people and it broke some privacy laws and people were not happy about it. So 
you know, data collection is the mantra of the industry and certainly one of the biggest objectives that we have. But how are you doing that and what are you finding effective? Personally, there are methods where you can track an attendee's journey through the event. If it's a large trade show or you know, multi-day events where they're attending education and social events and everything in between. So there are ways to do that to see where are people gravitating towards, which events, which sessions. I think that as far as tracking it from a corporate event standpoint, we would do a lot of surveys. And I know people are surveyed out, so it's kind of a delicate, <laughs> delicate measure. But a lot of on-site polls, I think, are interesting. If people are, you have to, going back to communication, you have to let them know. We will be polling. We will be surveying. So make sure your device is handy and available. And, you know, don't get your feelings hurt if you're a speaker and you see people on their device. They're giving us feedback and things that we'll take into account as we go through the event. So I think those are valuable and you need to do it immediately. I think, you know, people get home after an event, a conference, their mind is gone. They want to get back to their family and and get back to their lives. So they may lose some of that feedback that, that you can use to make the event better next year or maybe improve upon in their mind to come back and attend again. Yeah, absolutely. And so how are you integrating different technologies? Like you mentioned, doing surveys on phones and using mobile and web. Have you started using AI tools to help predict that? Or, you know, everybody loves the AI tools, like it's all the big buzzword, but is that something you've been integrating into your planning? I have not. And I'm old school. I was in journalism in college and I will crank it out, write a a description or copy points or whatever on my own. I'm a little afraid of AI. because I'm like, wait, am I putting myself out of a job here or what? But no, I think I really admire people who can grasp the new technology and I get it. You know, it's not for me yet. I'm not saying I wouldn't, but I'm hearing a lot about that right now, especially in, you know, the education world and higher ed. There are, you know, technologies now where universities and schools are even flunking people or disqualifying them from a test or something, you know, based on that. So it's a little scary. Yeah, I kind of like the irony that they're using AI tools to discover whether or not their students are using AI tools. (laughs) And then it feels like a, like, what is the Oribus when the snake head eats the tail? So do you think any priorities have changed since the onset? Like, we're getting back from COVID, you know, things are still not 100% up to pre-pandemic levels, but they're ramping up quickly. The joke I constantly use, and you've laughed at this joke in the past, is that I used to have hair. Still funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, still funny. Yeah, I mean, like, what are the trends that you're starting to see in events since the resurgence? I think as far as trends go, I'm seeing a lot of more focus on immersive experiences and also, you know, building a community. That's huge. And I think both can go hand in hand and even better. But really driving, say, a local experience, we can all go to a three-day conference in Bermuda, but couldn't we do the same thing in Oklahoma City? I mean, you know, it's you have to give your guests something memorable, the attendees something memorable, so they return. They want to come back next year. They want to see, you know, how can you make it better than what we had last year? So I think that's trending towards experiences and, like I said, building a community that people can kind of, you know, stay with throughout the year, not just once a year when they get together in Salt Lake City or Vegas or wherever. Yeah. So do you think that that 
sort of one special day. You know, there's a Greenblatt had a definition in his book about events are in a time and a place. And have you seen in that sort of community focus and that year long or long term focus in community building? Have you seen that that is no longer being the case, right? Like, as you said, like, you know, we go to Vegas once a year to see all of our sales colleagues for this big woo-ha. But what are the trends that you're seeing in that community building strategy? Are we seeing more of that? Or is it like hybrid or virtual? Was it a necessary trend? I think it's happening because once it's out there and and it's relevant, people are going to want to follow suit because there is such scrutiny on, you know, marketing budgets and doing events like this. So your leadership is going to want to see that return. And, you know, my former colleagues at HOT talk about return on emotion, and that's huge. You want to be able to tug at those memories of when they attended your event. And yeah, they were away from their family for four days, but it was so worth it. And they got a great, you know, motivational speech about getting back in there and, and supporting the sales teams or whatever it is, you know, launching a product and the message was there and supported by these fun, locally centric events and supporting, you know, activities that made them realize they they were away from their family, but hey, when am I going to come back to Montecito and do another conference like this? But we got to go to winemaking or, or whatever, just make it really special for them and memorable. I think one of the things that you know, needs to be part of that experience. Cause like we've all been to like the big mega thing, like a dream forest where it's, you know, again, if you had that kind of budget to convert an entire city block into, you know, your brand presence, that would be great. I don't think a lot of clients out there have that kind of budget, but let's talk about how we draw or design the experience around content. Cause I know as director of corporate events at Brookfield, you led the programming. So how have you seen that shift pre-pandemic, through the pandemic, and now coming out of it? Have you seen that traditional formats, do they still work? Do we need to rethink things? Do we need to be more clever? I mean, I don't think that hurts regardless. We would evolve our planning each year and our corporate HR department would conduct an employee engagement survey. So I would ask for the results, obviously anonymous, but just to kind of go there and see what's trending, what's, you know, what are some of the hot buttons and whether it be positive, negative, or just a concern that people are mentioning and maybe try to focus the messaging around that. I think that that shows that, you know, we are listening, we are using this feedback. So, you know, not only will you hopefully continue to give us your honest feedback, but you'll get something extra out of the conference this year. I think that way you're, you're focusing on them and what their needs are and their concerns are, but also, you know, having fun and networking with your peers and that kind of thing. But you're kind of driving into what their why. Why am I here? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when it comes to those programming and format questions, I think a lot of event professionals are sort of struggling with dreaming up the new cool, right? Like I've seen a lot of call for speakers at industry conferences and And even our, you know, a bunch of clients will come to us and say, well, like we've been doing the keynote for an hour and then a bunch of breakouts and then a thing and then a thing. And no matter how far you try to push that envelope, it's sometimes just sort of rails itself into that traditional model. And so where do you think we can find inspiration to rethink those formats and that content? 
I found inspiration before from the leadership group. If we were planning a conference of 350 operations managers, let's say, they're in tune with their local teams and local communities. And I actually, we actually got a really great idea from one of our leaders who had attended a, a local chamber of commerce meeting and they did rapid fire presentations. I mean, like 10 minutes each, no questions. You can save your questions for later, but at 10 minutes, you're off the stage and you're going on to the next person. So he's like, let's just think about this and try it. And we actually executed it very well and the teams loved it. And, you know, you're not sitting there for an hour hearing about looking at spreadsheets. You can't even read on a PowerPoint. You know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. No more 12 point font. It's really good <laughs> on that piece of paper that you printed out, but it does not look good on a gigantic. Exactly. <laughs> Just on some personal things. So what's the best event you ever did and why? Like, why was it your favorite? Let's start with attended and then go into the one that you did. Because I'm kind of curious because I like we as event professionals, like I can't take my wife to the theater because I grew up in the theater and I at all the things and go, hmm, I wonder how they did that. And I kind of ruin it for them. So I'm not allowed to go to shows with my family. Understood. I'm the same with any event. I, you know, put my hat on and go, oh, the lighting's a little bit off or, you know, where's the speaker? Where's the timer? No, I think the best event I, as an attendee that I ever experienced was MPI's World Education Conference. I've been to a couple of them, but the one that always sticks out was in San Francisco and it was outrageous. And I mean, here you have meeting professionals planning an event for meeting professionals. So you know, we're all critiquing and we're all judging and, you know, but it really made me kind of forget that's what I was doing. So I got to actually enjoy it and just, I mean, all out. And they had obviously the partnership of the destination. So that was helpful in, in making it localized, you know, San Francisco in the Bay Area. So that was one of my favorites attending. I think my favorite that I executed was a company conference in Chicago. And our theme was we were kind of coming off the end of a an a merger and better together was a theme. And the visuals that we had used were things like peanut butter and jelly, cookies and milk, and things that, you know, are better together. So Batman and Robin, things like that. So we used those visuals throughout and it was fun to kind of see it all come together and everybody got it. They're like, oh, now I get it better together. Okay, yeah, I got it. So when those things work, it's a win. But, you know, our programming was centered around that. And, you know, we were this, now we're this, and we're together going forward. So I'm big on theming. I'll even try to wear an outfit the same color as event theme if I can. So <laughs> That's awesome. All I kept on thinking was like, oh, like you're going to put like cookies and cream and like peanut butter and jelly. Like was everybody hungry and or totally. did you indulge that on that Absolutely. event? To be like, yeah, we're just an Oreo <laughs> and it's awesome. Absolutely. That's what was our catering focus was that for the reception. So it was great. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I want to come to more events that you do, Christy, so that I can eat better. Okay. So. We talked a little bit about AI, but is there, like, other than AI, which you said admittedly scares you a little, is there any sort of piece of event technology that you are excited about using in the future? Like, is there something out there that you're like, if we could leverage that, it would be so cool? Kind of wacky off the wall, but I think we may have even talked about this in one of our meetings, but the hologram effect on stage. I don't know if you've ever seen the show here in Las Vegas, Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Insane. But we had even talked about that at a corporate event. Our CEO 
it was looking like he was going to be double booked and being overseas and trying to be the host of this conference at the same time. And we joked about doing the hologram effect. So that would be completely amazing to try to pull that off. Those hologram effects can be really amazing if a little bit cost prohibitive. That's another. So I always like to sort of wrap up these episodes with a practical tip. Like, you know, listeners are coming in, they're listening to really great thought leaders like you. So, you know, what's one thing that a senior event professional can do right now to ensure that their events are successful and create repeat attendees? And like, what practical thing can somebody do tomorrow to start on that trend, in your opinion? I think not try to be like everyone else, but also don't fix it if it's not broke. You know, I think... Knowing that business objective of the leadership or the company, wherever they are in time, that's key. So once you get that, then you can build upon that. And then you can get a little wacky in your programming or reel it back in. I just think you got to have that foundation of knowing why are we doing this and the buy-in of the executive sponsor as well. So on that, just to take that point a little bit further... What practical ways do you think we can use to actually get to that why? Because it it is a very pointed question to ask as to what is the why. But do you think that event professionals sort of struggle with trying to figure that out and what questions to ask and how to start that journey if it hasn't already been created? I mean, are you asking the right person the right question? Who decided we were going to have a 500 person conference in May. Who initiated that conversation? You know, and if you don't have access at the table to the CEO or whoever's driving that, then find yourself an executive sponsor, an SVP or someone, you know, head of marketing that can have those conversations for you and work with you. I mean, they obviously want to be successful as well and prove that money is well spent. So they're going to support that. And just, you kind of have to just take that plunge. And, you know, obviously everybody doesn't have access to the C-suite, but they, maybe they should or find someone who can help them get there. Yeah. I love that advice. You know, going out and finding that person who can be your advocate and help you answer those questions. I think, as I mentioned, sometimes event professionals are like in a position where they don't have that access and finding that advocacy can really help them out. Great. Christy, thank you very much for joining us. One last question. If you were to think of somebody awesome that we should speak to on the podcast, who would you nominate? Oh, everyone hot. I mean, the hardest working people in showbiz over there. I mean, you know, Dina, Morgan, they would be great. Definitely. I'm sure you've already contacted them. So if they haven't taken the leap, let me know. I'll give them a call. Yeah. I mean, you can send them an email to remind them that they haven't responded to me, but uh, you know, whatever. Absolutely. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for joining me today, Christy. It's great to talk to you. Thanks for the invite. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Production Value Matters, the business event podcast is brought to you by Burn Production Services. To find out more about Burn Production Services and how putting on events can drive value for your business, visit burnproductionservices.com. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And on behalf of the team here at Production Value Matters, thank you so much for listening.